Hi guys and welcome to episode 8 of the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. I am speaking with clinical nutritionist Sarah Newland and we are discussing all things gut health. I'm fascinated by the role that gut plays in our overall health and how poor gut health can, can, can contribute to anxiety, depression, mood disorders, etc. Sarah was an awesome guest. I learned a lot. I want to thank her so much for coming on. I know I'm definitely going to be integrating some of her teachings to improve my gut health and I hope you will too. So just before we get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to those of you who have taken time to write, share, leave a review, whatever. I hate all this stuff and I hate asking, but it really does help tremendously reach those people who this is going to help. So if you do enjoy it, please like, share, subscribe. It, it really means an awful lot and I can't thank you enough. And with that, let's just dive straight into the show. Shit. So the yeah. The microbiome, it's just, it's kind of sci-fi. It makes you think, like, how human are you? It's been called, the microbiome's been called a super organism, and it does kind of behave more like an organ than just a little population of microbes living in there. It's like our second brain. Um, okay. So, yeah, so wow. to look after the health of that, you, you have to focus on nourishing the gut. Like, you want the good guys to flourish, and you want the bad guys to be in small populations. You want them to be outnumbered. And yes. I guess the problem with, with living is that all of the fun stuff, all of the sugar promotes the health of the bad guys, and it knocks dead the good guys as, like, as a basic analogy. So... You know, to look after the good guys, you want to look after the state of your intestines, the state of your gut, and you also want to feed the good guys the things that they need, which is typically healthier food and vegetables, which we call like prebiotic vegetables. And you don't want to be feeding the bad guys, which they love things like sugar and and unhealthy junk food and things like that. Okay, and, and you're a big advocate to stay away from sugar altogether, right? Well, I mean, it's like fruit is sugar and fruit's definitely not bad for you. It's good for you. But it depends on the individual and what they're trying to achieve. So if you are somebody that has major dysbiosis and, you know, overpopulations of pathogenic microbes, microorganisms in your gut, then you kind of want to starve them so that they die off and you can and give the good guys a chance to proliferate. And to get that to happen in a lot of cases, it can be super helpful to stop having all sugars, even including fruit, just for a period of time until you kind of get control, until the populations rebalance and you have a healthier microbiome. But if you have a healthy gut, there's absolutely no problem having certain, well, having fruit sugars, of course, and, you know, even, un even unhealthy foods as a treat here and there. And, it just depends on the individual. So it's, it's a question I get asked all the time, and it's so hard to answer as a general. Yeah, it's crazy yeah. because I, I think the like when you're on YouTube and you're watching videos and stuff and you're just trying to take general advice, the problem is it's not based on the individual. 
yeah it's it's not based on the individual and also I guess one thing when you're looking at things on the listening to things on the internet or reading things this this human biology and nutrition can be kind of creative as well um like most nutritionists don't agree on everything um and you know you can have a target a goal that you want to get to but different nutritionists might have different approaches of how to get there and they all might work but I guess the thing is you kind of have to do one version and do it properly in order to get that result when you're reading a little bit of everyone's different ways to get there it might not work because it's you know you're using you're just different confusing the you're confusing it, yourself exactly so I think personalized treatment can be really important when you're trying to heal a gut. And I mean, you know, the fact that it's so important to your overall health, physical health, emotional health, it's a worthy thing to do properly, I think. Yeah, what's the connection between like, does the mind go wonky first or does, it, does the gut go wonky and the mind follow? I'm fascinated that this actually starts when you're up childbirth. I don't want to say anything too gross there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that like so is that based on the mother and even maybe the father going back to conception is that based on what 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 kind of their mental state is in and their general health and well-being is at that moment in time well it can be and also their immune system and um how they've lived their life where they've been you know different around the world people have different micro we have not only do we have this microbiome in our gut but we also have microbes living all over our skin in our eyes in our mouths everywhere and these populations are part of what make us either healthy or unhealthy mm. so yeah it's it's crazy and in terms of which comes first like the mind or the gut it's a bi-directional signaling system between the gut and the brain so again it depends on the individual it doesn't you know there is no one answer to that there's evidence of dysbiosis in the gut and sort of microbial disturbances in the gut causing um functional you know gastrointestinal disorders like irritable uh, inflammatory bowel disease and irritable bowel syndrome and also the CNS, the, the central nervous system response to psychological and physical stresses can cause gut microbe imbalances and result in these conditions as well. Um, I don't know if that sounded like a mouthful, but basically you can have, you can be really stressed, which I suppose is a mental thing, but stress can cause the production of a lot of cortisol, which can be inflammatory in the gut and that can cause gut symptoms. And then once you've got those gut symptoms, 90 to 95% of our serotonin is caused, is produced in the gut oh, by, right, yeah. Yeah, by mucosal cells. So though that gut dysbiosis can then cause, you know, mental health issues or depression or other psychiatric conditions. And, you know, which thing came first, the stress or the gut disorder or the, so, do you know what I mean? Like it's just a whole. It, a it becomes this vicious cycle. Yeah. Wherever it starts. Yeah. So treating it with gut health protocols, things like bioactive foods and bone broth and things like that is super important, but the lifestyle and dietary habits have to be addressed as well um, as part of a 
microbiome healing regime. Wow. <laughs> I, I, was, I was all in there and, and fully, like when you start talking about cortisol production and the link to that, yep. to the gut, and then serotonin actually being made in the gut, we have to do something away from the gut as well to, to reduce cortisol production and then also oh. something to the gut as well to increase serotonin production. Is that me well, just... You, yeah, I mean, to, you, you, want to, you want to have a healthy level of cortisol production. The problem with modern life and adulting is that most of us have kind of unhealthy, perhaps chronic levels, uh, chronic high cortisol circulating through our body and that's that can be inflammatory and damaging to the gut and the way to treat that's really the most powerful tool that we have against um, high stress and chronic cortisol circulation is is um, meditation or meditative practices that uh, you know activate the parasympathetic nervous system which is our rest and digest mm -hmm. system which is the opposite to fight or flight the sympathetic nervous system so we want to activate this rest system and that's meditation or, or yoga or similar practices and that sort of slows down the adrenal production of cortisol which has the resulting effect of less inflammation in the gut and then from there you would want to heal the gut so you, you want to repopulate it with good good bacteria and good microbes but before you do that you want to actually heal the lining of the gut and I use bone broth and collagen high collagen bone broth for that then you go in with your probiotic foods and also removing the foods that sort of cause the dysbiosis in okay. or contribute to the dysbiosis in the first place. Yeah. Interesting. So the the lining of the gut is very important to start with. So very stuff important. isn't escaping. The good yeah, stuff I mean, isn't escaping. Yes. So the lining of the gut stops bad shit getting into your blood and also helps produce the good stuff we need. So it's mucosal cells that produce serotonin that's i guess a take-home message um and that's you know bone broth helps with healing this mucosal lining then you know having having the, the healthy microbes the healthy microbiome is really important as well um gut microbes produce neuroactive substances also and so you know in a simple it's quite simply like if the, you know if you've got good microbes you're producing more health beneficial neuroactive substances than if you've got pathogenic microbes in you know greater populations than you want. Mm. <laughs> so if you were to break it down, it's it's steps. Let's just make a case study, right? So let's just use me for the crack. Say when oh. I started having panic attacks. Now there was there was underlying shit going on in my life emotionally. Um, it definitely didn't start in the gut for me. It, it was a psychological thing. Um, you know, I, I was relatively healthy, or so I thought. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, everything just went tits up. I started, I had a panic attack. And that just changed my world <clears throat> forever. Mm -hmm. So the next, the next five years were just trying to understand that I didn't like I was convinced I was I had a brain tumor I was convinced I was having heart attacks multiple strokes all that kind of fun stuff and then it was only it was only five years into this that I picked up a book when, when panic attacks okay so that's when I realized shit I've got a panic disorder it's like the depression came after the panic disorder and it was a byproduct 
of mm-hmm. of panic disorder and then which turned into general anxiety disorder social order or social anxiety disorder blah the whole crew mm-hmm. showed up yeah and then by that stage my gut's fucked right and well that's awful sorry carry on no 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 i mean it's 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 fine it's just i'm just trying to give people listening some some context right so if we're going to use me as a case study here, this is going back years ago it is what it is so now I have to get treatment and I have to get help and I have to get support and I have to get some guidance to overcome the hurdles and the difficulties that I face in building up my confidence again. But I also have to think about my gut and my overall health. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what's my first steps in the process? Assuming I'm, you know, not like, I'm relatively health conscious, but I'm clearly not doing a very good job. Oh, I mean... I don't want to step too far outside of my modality, but just from... No, just keep it within the gut. Yeah, I mean, initially, honestly, I mean, I'm sure you already know this, it would be mindfulness techniques because before you start putting the good stuff in, you've got to take stop putting the bad stuff in. And if high levels of cortisol are going mm-hmm. across, then that's damaging. So you would start with mindfulness practice practices to reduce the high levels of cortisol and then following that I would um, basically take out anything from the diet that's damaging to the gut high sugar intake processed foods just franken foods you know if food food is grown or born and if you're holding a food item and you really can't imagine the natural food uh, the natural sort of animal or plant that it came from then it might not be quite so easy for your gut to recognize it either and that can cause problems so taking out all the unnatural foods and then putting in a healing a healing regime which would you know consist of bone broth and which is high in um, collagen and proline and glycine and glutamine which help heal the gut lining the gut mucosal cells and then after that, um, putting in foods that help repopulate a healthy microbiome, so bioactive foods, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut and kimchi, um, natural yogurts and kefir, vegetables that are high in prebiotics, which is the stuff that actually feeds the good bacteria. So you're giving them like a lifeline as well. And that's, you know, a good example of that veg- is asparagus. So you could have asparagus, you want um, healthy proteins with essential fats like salmon, which are also anti-inflammatory to help combat any of the infla- inflammation down there that comes from cortisol and other sort of environmental issues that might promote inflammation. Have I gone on too much already? No, this this <laughs> is great because I think inflammation is really like the whole topic of inflammation fascinates me. And what, what's what's quite interesting is everything you said there felt in line with one of the key turning points in, in my life. So mm-hmm. I, I started to do, it was just by default, I started to do a lot of yoga. I had I had injured my back and then I was doing uh, a lot of physio. And then mm-hmm. I was recommended yoga. And I always kind of thought to myself, yeah, I like the sound of that from the outside looking in, but then I was, well, that's a bit hippy-dippy for me. And this was, this is going back years ago and it was in Ireland as well. And yoga was starting to become in vogue, but it was more just chicks doing it. So I'd have to go to a class and be the only dude. And with someone that was dealing with a lot of anxiety there, that was way out of my comfort zone. 
but but I yeah. did it on the recommendation because I, I wanted my back to get better. And then I started out with Pilates to strengthen my core. And then I kind of just moved into yoga and I was here going, wow, this this stuff is amazing. Yeah. And then like as a as a byproduct, you know, maybe I developed a keystone habit out of that. And as a byproduct, I started really looking at my diet, which I didn't notice kind of trail off over the years. It was just kind of a subtlety. But then I could see how it impacted me in, in like with just weight gain, not like massive weight gain or anything, but it, you know, kind of snuck up on me. And mm-hmm. when I started like really being quite strict and vigilant in the food I took in and definitely reducing processed foods, um, eating a lot more vegetables, proteins, cutting out a lot of carbs complex carbs anyway then i started to feel much better in myself so maybe i was healing my gut a little bit by accident and not really understanding that absolutely i mean a a great place to start is just taking out the crap you know if that's the best and the best thing you can do to start with and you don't want to have all the weird like sauerkraut and bone broth and things that you haven't had before i don't even know what sauerkraut is (laughs) it's fermented cabbage Um, yeah when you when you ferment cabbage basically it produces um kind of like just good good bacteria okay um which put into the gut and it helps the good guys proliferate but yeah even just taking out the bad stuff like as you've said the processed foods if you stop like stop punching up your insides that in itself starts to enable the healing process yeah, that's a, that's a great place to start. Okay, brilliant. And so w- when people come to work with you and you're, you're changing their diet, right? How long is, is the process before they begin to feel better and they begin to see results? Because I, I think we just all lack a lot of patience with this. And because, you know, we can't really see what's going on, you can't see the healing of a gut. It's not like an open wound on your arm. And you don't no, necessarily true. feel it straight away either. So we, we yeah. I think old habits die hard with that. It's true. And it is the million dollar question. And the answer is different for everyone as per usual, which is always annoying to hear. But yeah, mm-hmm. it, is, it is really different for everyone. You know, sometimes like I've seen people get radically better in one week. And then I've had other people where it takes, you know, a couple of months before they start to see a significant change. It's so it's so difficult to say in general why that is, but I think it comes down to it could be that they've had a lot of antibiotics as a child, so that you know significantly wounds your microbiome because okay. antibiotics. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I knew they weren't great for you, but I'd still take them in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, we all did. I ate them like M&Ms in the 1980s. <laughs> um, well, maybe we all didn't, but I did. And, um, yeah, they, like, well, antibiotics, they, it means, like, anti-life. They kill the good stuff as well as the bad stuff. And, the, yeah, the problem with antibiotics is they're not really targeted. They're not, like, organism-specific. So they kill the good, helpful organisms as well. And when you have... This isn't to slam antibiotics. They're, you know, an amazing invention and we would be screwed without them. But the way they've been dished out like M&Ms has caused microbiome issues in everyone. And 
the problem with this comes when, you know, 70% of our, as well as all that serotonin, 70% of your immune system is, or your immune cells are produced in your gut. So whilst the antibiotics might help you in the immediate, like now when you take them, down the track, if you take them a lot, you're just damaging your body's capacity to produce immune cells properly. You know, heavy use of antibiotics is one of the worst things for your microbiome. So that can play a role in how long it takes for you to experience healing with the gut when you start to sort of put healing strategies in place. And also to like really like compliance, how committed you are to taking the bad stuff out. If you're having bone broth every day, morning and night, and you're having sauerkraut, every day with your lunch but you are smashing a six pack of beers every night and drinking pizza and hot uh, eating pizza and you know hot chips and fried chicken in weird like man-made oils on the weekends then that's not going to be helping much you know so it's still good to be having those good practices in place to try and heal it but if you really want to heal it it kind of is worth doing putting in the hard work and getting the microbiome healed, developing some good habits. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, once it's healed, you can kind of relax a little bit sometimes once you're back in control and you have a healthy microbiome population. And is there any way of knowing if you have a healthy microbiome? Well, I mean, it's... It's about going to the toilet, right? Is yeah, it? totally. Going to the toilet's massive, a huge thing. Um, but also just how you feel. I think you would have noticed, I'm guessing, when you were explaining how you cleaned up your diet. Like I know when I cleaned up my diet, and this is about 10 years ago now, I don't even know why I did it, to be honest. Something came over me. And it's like how you said you started going to yoga and you didn't really you know, expect all of that change. Same here when, when I went through all of this. And I guess it's true what they say. You don't know how good your body is designed to feel. So when you start putting these healthy processes in place and you clean up your diet, you might have thought you were okay beforehand. Then all of a sudden you wake up fresh in the morning and you don't have as many afternoon slumps or you don't get headaches as much or your skin clears up and your nails are stronger. It can be all over your body where you notice these little things improve because your gut health is so fundamental to everything. It's so important for nutrient assimilation from food so the spectrum of how that can affect your body is limitless you know if you're absorb if you start healing your gut and you're absorbing nutrients better from food then it just depends on which area of your body was lacking that those areas might start to you might start to see significant changes in and then you know if you're aware if you're kind of looking out for it that it's that it's working it's different in everyone I guess as an example, I've been having bone broth a lot more recently because I've started making it. I've sort of had a couple, a few years of living here and not having enough of it like I used to, and I've just noticed I've, I think my gut's in okay health these days despite the antibiotic bashing as a child, and I've just noticed since having more bone broth back in my, my life, I'm better at the gym. I don't get burnout. I'm still working just as hard, but I used to kind of just get that run down, like really run down, glands coming up thin thing maybe you know, once a month just from working so much and I'm not getting that anymore. Um, and I'm clearer, I think, in the afternoon. So it's it's subtle. You might not notice yeah. it if you're not looking out for it. But it's just, or if I was, if you're really unhealthy to start with or if there's something 
significant that you're trying to target, then you might notice it quicker. It's just we are all different. And, you know, it's different in every person. Wow. So, okay, you, you, bone broths come up quite a bit. So how, how do you, mm-hmm. what is it and, and how do you make it? I know it, it helps heal the lining of the gut so you can create an environment for the good microbiomes to flourish. Yep. Well, you make it um, with a lot of effort. <laughs> it just takes time to cook, depending on which sort of bones you're using. So basically the all the good stuff that you need for your joint, it's, it's, I guess you look at it from not only a gut healing but an anti-aging perspective perspective and all the stuff that you need to be agile and youthful like not just on the outside but on the inside so your joints and ligaments is and, that um, collagen's role as well yes exactly and we get that we get those nutrients from animals that also have those tissues and when you slow cook the bones of these animals and, and those nutrients are released into a broth and then you consume that broth it's just a really bioavailable source of those nutrients collagen proline glycine glutamine arginine they are really well absorbed by the body and then help your body with those tissues okay that sounds cool i must get some of that and how do you consume it um well you drink it i just drink it i make a bone broth concentrate and you just sort of put it in hot water and Drink it as a broth. It's like a tea? A or yeah, basically as a soup broth. It's a bit salty, you know. It's But it tastes all right. Yeah, I think so. Oh, it nice. tastes a bit like whatever the sorts of bones you use. You know, if you use chicken bones, it tastes like a kind of chickeny soup. And if you use beef bones, it tastes a little bit like a sort of a meaty soup. You can use fish bones as well. Um, yeah, and you can use it in cooking as well. So I just sort of say the important thing is to get it into you if you're trying to heal your gut, um, whichever way you like. Okay, yeah. brilliant. So is it is is that like a morning routine? You get up and drink a, a cup of bone broth? It is whatever you want it to be, but I do recommend, I suggest a, a mug upon rising and a mug before bed. And the reason behind that is in the morning, your intestines are kind of a blank canvas to an extent, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not You're not full of food that you're digesting. And so pouring some good stuff straight down there you've got the best chance of it being absorbed and sort of taken in well by your gut lining. And then the one before bed is kind of, I think that's a good idea because when you go to sleep, you know, your parasympathetic nervous system is activated. So your digestive system and, you know, it's it's in the best shape to absorb the nutrients then as well. Of course, having it during the day or whenever it's, it's convenient for you is um also super healing. But those are just times when you've got that extra extra benefit for nutrient assimilation okay cool i'm excited to i'm excited i'm gonna to have to get some of this bone broth off you and try it because it sounds like it's it's really good i think i i really i'm so fascinated by the the healing of the lining of the gut you mentioned you mentioned bad oils there right? yep and there's so that's like the palm palm oils etc is it it's more like um like vegetable cheap cooking oils you know those are the oils that are kind of they're really unnatural they're really fucked with by man to be honest natural oils <laughs> like olive oil and nut oil and and natural nut oils are soupy super <laughs> soupy super anti-inflammatory and good for us um but unfortunately the cheap shitty cooking oils 
are the total opposite. They are pro-inflammatory and damaging to our gut. So, so just stay away from them full stop. Don't even yeah, fry your food you know, with them. It doesn't mean you can't have hot chips every now and then when you're out, but don't cook with it at home. Like you, you've got to just do the best you can. And, and the, the best place to start with that stuff is what where, the food you're preparing at home. And then, you know, if, you, if you're on a strict gut healing regime, then I would probably suggest not having hot chips or fried chicken, mm-hmm. things like that on the weekend. <laughs> but if you've been doing your healing regime for a while and you're in pretty good state, you've got to live, right? So it's okay to do those things when occasionally um, it's not going to kill you if you're doing the right stuff most of the time. Yeah, cool. And olive oil is... is it's amazing for you. One thing though about olive oil, it's not really as good when it's cooked at a high temperature. So keep your coconut oil or ghee um, or butter for cooking because those those are still super healthy when they're at high temperatures. But olive oil, use, use cold on salads and in dressings, things like that, or on low, low heat. And obviously you also mentioned about not crushing a six pack of beer every night which I understand is bad for you, but is there any alcohol that's good for you? Because whiskey doesn't have sugar in that, so I assume that's good, right? Well, alcohol is kind of sugar. So, um, uh, look, I'm a nutritionist. I'm not going to be <laughs> telling you that alcohol is helpful for your health. Although, <laughs> as a stress reliever, it can be can be helpful. If, if you've got so such high levels of cortisol chronically, then and a drink reduces that then i'm a supporter but alcohol is not great for your microbiome but if you know just the same with having fried things every now and then if you've been looking after your gut if you do the right thing most of the time and you've healed your gut for the best part a drink here and there isn't going to kill you i guess choose your vices you know Mm. like if you're going to have a drink every now and then you don't have to have every other bad thing on the menu too it's just doing the best you can most of the time i suppose so avoid the avoid the sweet treats and have another glass of wine. Yeah, basically. <laughs> what's your what's your take on fasting? Fasting can be really helpful for healing your gut and your mm. immune system and it gives your digestive system a rest and it's been so popular lately so I've used it a lot with clients and with myself over the last couple of years. I have noticed in the last maybe six months or something though I've sort of really started to realize that it is a bit different for men and women oh Um, yeah women's hormones are so sensitive to the threat of starvation and with intermittent fasting becoming so popular I was even myself but clients as well sort of starting to do it just every single day and then hormonal issues started sort of popping up and um, so I think it's it's really helpful for your health. Intermittent fasting is amazing, but it is a good idea to sort of be a bit sensible about it and, and maybe even get some advice on how you should be doing it because, again, like everything else, it's it's different for everyone and how how to do it so that it's beneficial for your health. Yeah. I've, I, I've, I've done a bit of... I've done a bit of intermittent fasting before and I didn't... You know, I actually, honestly, I did it out of convenience because I hated trying to, I hate deciding what I'm going to eat. So if I could just take a meal out, then my life is, that's one less decision I have to deal with. But I always drank a cup of almond latte in the morning. Mm -hmm. 
which I guess is is cheating, is it? Oh, it's probably not part of a proper strict. fast. Yeah. But, you know, if, how strict do you want to be with it and what are you trying to achieve? Once again, it depends on you and what you want and what you're trying to get out of the fast. So, mm. I mean, a good thing to have while you're fasting to sort of stay, if you're trying to achieve ketosis, which is a whole other issue for another day, mm-hmm. but... um. And you wouldn't want to be having the almond milk. You'd probably have just black coffee or a bulletproof coffee. Yeah. And the the one thing I did, I where I I noticed like a profound impact on like my mental clarity just went up tenfold. Is I did this colon cleanse. Mm-hmm. And I had to drink. It, I think it was four days. And I had mm-hmm. to drink just this clay gunk four times a day. So it wasn't like I was starving. My, it was There was 120 calories per glass, but it was it was specifically like a part of the cleanse. And I couldn't drink mm-hmm. any coffee. It was just that or water for four days. The actual four days were awful. I, I never, <laughs> like, I never realized how much we eat with our eyes. And the first day yeah. I had such a headache from t- like taking coffee out of my diet, which kind of freaked me out in itself because it was like the worst hangover going. And then I was just, I, I, you know, I couldn't move the second day and I was just like watching Netflix and everybody's eating and I was just losing my mind. But I got through it anyway and I felt amazing after it. Mm. Uh, clearing your bowels is so amazing, isn't it? Getting colonics as well um, yeah. can be like that. I yeah, I mean, if you, even from an energetic perspective, if you think about how much stuff can be stuck in our intestine energetically, that's just, it's so stagnant, you know? Um, like the free feeling and the lightness in your body when you clear your bowels out like that. Yeah. It's amazing, and it gives you such a good foundation to start a proper healing protocol as well. It's a really good idea to do do those things. Yeah, I I, I did that once when mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going back years ago. Myself and um, do you have Groupon or those things in Australia where you just kind of buy special deals on the internet? Yes, I remember those things. <laughs> yeah, myself and my friend, we, we we got one, and we didn't tell anyone. This is like going back ages ago and we went and got a clonic done when we thought it was kind of hilarious that you know someone's sticking a tube up there and all the but um yeah it is it is crazy how much better you feel i must um, oh, they are the best if you have someone <laughs> i really think it makes a difference um who you get to do it um like the lady that i go to she really massages your stomach for a long time oh really and yeah, like, you know, a lot of places that I, or I'd done, I'd had colonics in places before where they kind of book you in for a 30 or 40 minute session. If nothing comes out, they'd tell me, oh, you're really healthy on your way. See you later. And I was just like, oh, I am. So I guess that's the truth. And then I found a lady who she massages my stomach. Sometimes, you know, now I'm okay. I think I'm pretty clear. But sometimes at the start, it was, this is a few years ago now, for an hour and a half. And then eventually all this stuff would come out. And, <laughs> And, and, you know, people have things, have congestion in their intestines for 10 years or more. Like she commonly 
sees her clients walk out the door leaving behind stuff that might have been in there for 10 years. So for, for the health of your intestines and the health of your microbiome, that's one thing that you're addressing when you sort of go and have a colonic. But also just energetically, having that stuff out of your body, it's got to be a good thing, right? Yeah, for sure. I'm tempted to go book one in after this. <laughs> How good is it? You ride out of there so light, so happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So just just to kind of wrap up, if someone is, it is the No Bullshit Anxiety Talk Show, right? So <laughs> if, if someone is listening to this and we we talked about we've talked about bone broth a lot and i'm really intrigued i'm definitely going to try that i'm definitely going to get a clonic again just because it's it's been something it's, it's my I, yeah nice one nice one um <laughs> good stomach massage <laughs> excuse me but what 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 are the best steps in the process like do you start with mindfulness and and doing kind of the yoga the mind meditation work first? In a perfect world for a compliant patient who wants to sort of go in hard and just get this stuff done and, and be committed, mm -hmm. I would say definitely starting with mindfulness practices, meditation, yoga, and obviously exercise as well is healthy, but really that slow stuff that activates the parasympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest mode. You know, trying to get that yoga high or meditation kind of high where you're just so zen, that's what you want. And then in terms of nutrition, first of all, take the shit out. Stop stop damaging, stop, stop bashing up your guts, your insides. So taking out the processed stuff, taking out the alcohol, taking out everything that's damaging it, pro-inflammatory foods, cheap, shitty, refined carbohydrates, and just start healing the gut with, bone broths and you know soft cooked meats avocados and gentle like ayurvedic style cooked vegetables with nutrients from herbs and spices L lay off the raw things even raw salads are obviously so nutrient dense and healthy but if you've got an inflamed gut that can be quite rough and it can promote the inflammation that's going on down there so you know, taking that stuff out. And then once you've sort of got a bit of healing starting to happen and your mucosal lining is starting to repair, then you can start putting in more foods, um, maybe some. eventually start introducing some raw vegetables and raw things again. Um, and always, of course, probiotic foods, sauerkraut and the fermented vegetables, natural yogurts, kefirs, uh, well-fermented kombucha. Yeah. Okay. Those sorts of things. Cool. So um, the the probiotic foods, um, sauerkraut obviously is one I'm going to have to look into a bit, little bit more. But w when you say natural yogurts, now I get freaked out by the dairy industry, just because yeah. I've watched some YouTube videos and and you don't know it's it's hard to believe. It's hard to know what to believe online. Like, is dairy bad for you? Is it not bad for you? But it seems that, you know, those animals are injected with an awful lot of crap and it's antibiotics and everything, and they're coming, and then we're going to go and consume them. How do you know that it's natural? And how do you know that it's come from a good cow, basically? 
it's a very big conversation and probably a topic for another podcast. Yeah. But um, if you can find a reliable source of yogurt that has not been through the, con- it's not from the conventional dairy system. If it's natural yogurt that is unsweetened, it's from a cow that led a happy life, then the probiotics in that are healthy for you. Going further into into it than that is. Right, really yeah, just, yeah. we don't have to go there. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the dairy industry is completely fucked. We both know that. I'm just saying that yogurt from a good source is good for your gut if it's natural. So, okay. Yeah. Cool. And what do you think about like probi- probiotic vitamins? I, I guess they're not vitamins, but you know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the yeah, tablets. Probiotics. They're really helpful. Um, definitely. They're expensive, but they're really helpful. There's not much evidence that supports them actually, that says that they proliferate the gut after you stop taking them. So they're a really helpful thing to take if you have to take antibiotics or following antibiotic damage. They're great to take, but um, it's expensive to take them forever. And they don't really sort of, we don't, it doesn't, we don't think that they populate the gut after you stop taking them. The populations in history that have had, had um, sorry, great microbiome diversity in populations are populations that ate things like sauerkraut every day. So it's like a life, it's a, it's a lifestyle practice as well as a nutritional regime, you know. Eastern Europe, European traditional populations that had sauerkraut in their diet every single day used to always enjoy vodka too, but they still had these good microbiome okay, okay. populations. So it's not just about sort of having a probiotic here and there. It's about making this thing an everyday practice in your life. And I just think it's better to have the, the foods than the supplement. So if you can, if you yeah. don't want to have the sauerkraut and you don't care about the money, then go for it. Have pro- probiotics every day. Make sure you get good ones. Yeah. One, another thing, probiotics that have been on the shelf for a while or not kept in the fridge where they're supposed to, they might not be that beneficial for you. So The tablets. The food getting, yeah, the capsules. Shit, right. They're supposed to be in a fridge. Well, so you can get non-fridge ones, but I don't believe them to be as good, which is another topic for another day too. <laughs> <laughs> Just so many, so many. Um, Tangents. Do- Mm. all right i want to thank you for coming on so much it's uh it's so fascinating it really is and just just hearing you know i've read i don't understand this stuff but i've read about it and i you know like I, i can pull out some of the information but just hearing you break it down like that has, has certainly given me some really good advice that I'm definitely going to follow through on. And I'm excited to to see the results. I'm excited to try this bone broth. And, you know, I like the idea of having a little bit of more collagen inside me. I mean, I'll, I'll have a crack at this sauerkraut as well. And Yep. Because when you say Eastern Europeans all have it in their diet, right? And they all, they look so healthy. Yeah, they probably don't beat themselves in the sun like we do either. But um, yes, they definitely, you can put that down to, in part, the sauerkraut in their diet and the fermented veg. Okay. Hmm. So sauerkraut and fermented veg, everybody. (laughs) 
Thank you so much. This has been great. No problem. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I want to thank you for listening. I, I hope you enjoyed it and all the great tips Sarah had to share. I forgot to actually ask Sarah for her contact details on the show because uh, sometimes I do that. But if you want to get in touch, her Instagram is at gut.lab. Uh, it'll all be in the show notes as well as her website, happybellynutritionalmedicine.com. And she's very kind. If anyone's looking for some bone broth concentrate and you're in the Bali area, you can reach out to her on Instagram and just use the code no bullshit and you get 10% off your purchase. Thanks again for listening and have an awesome day, night, week, wherever you are. Take care.